happy Valentine's slash Singles Awareness Day slash depression slash happiness, whatever your situation in life. We're going to look at some Italian madrigals that may express similar sentiments. This is Early Music Monday. Okay, when you first think of madrigals, what comes to your brain? If you're not a choral nerd, you may think of, oh, that's a flower. Or you may think, oh, that's just an old song. Well, when I think of madrigals, the first thing that comes to my head is that was the name of my high school like advanced choir. We were madrigals, but we didn't sing exclusively madrigals, so we weren't a madrigal choir per se, but we were called madrigals because there was only 24 of us, so it was a chamber choir. It was really cool. Anyway, I get off topic. Today's episode is going to be a short and sweet look, kind of overview of the Italian madrigal. The Italian madrigal was literally all the rage. The upper class liked it. The lower class liked it. The common people liked it. The educated, like intellectual, musical intellectuals liked it. I can't think, I seriously can't really think of any other time in history This is me just going into my mind palace to find my music history notes. Yeah, I got nothing. Any other time in history that where like popular music, well, where any genre of music was so widely loved was like, I don't know. I can't think of anything. It's this really insane concept that literally everyone liked it. So these madrigalists, I mean, think about if, I mean, you know, we just had Eric Whitaker on and he's pretty popular in the classical music world. But what if he was as popular as Taylor Swift? Like, I don't think I even understand how popular Taylor Swift is. I have a really good friend who is some sort of weird kindred soul sister spirit with Taylor Swift. And the fandom is beyond anything I've ever seen. And that's like she is one of millions and millions and millions how many downloads does taylor swift have probably around a billion downloads so if you took and that that's kind of the when when i read these articles treatises books etc about madrigals that's the sense that i get is that they were widely popular by every literally everyone and that may be me 
that may be me reading things wrong, but that's the sense that I get. And, you know, Madrigals went through a lot of... Okay, well, first, before we go into it, a Madrigal is simply an Italian secular song. So you had music in the church and then music out of the church. Those are the two big basic umbrella genres of music. Then within it with like underneath those two separate genres of in the church and out of the church, there were several different types of you know, um sacred music had motets and masses and other liturgical works works and genres and secular songs had the same thing where they had different forms and different purposes and different subgenres and it splits down and it all gets really complicated and it changes throughout time as you get from the early renaissance to the late renaissance genres disappear and fade in popularity other ones come in they anyway none of I mean, that's all important to some extent, but for the sake of today's episode, the importance is that the Madrigal came, the Madrigal is just, it became famous because it was just a secular song. And the reason it became famous is because of this relationship between the text and the music, where beforehand... And especially in sacred styles, the music was its own thing. And the music was there to essentially stand alone and then you'd place the words wherever. I mean, that's like unbelievably reductive, but you get the picture. Then all of a sudden in the madrigal, you have these poems. So last time, okay. I'm getting ahead of myself, and I'm rambling already. I can feel it. So one step at a time. So the madrigal, this song. And in the reason why they became so popular is because at the time, even, they put Italy really on an international, on the international map of popularity. People went to Rome to study composition for sacred music, already and Rome was the center of the church so that tradition already existed but in terms of secular music style you know the Germans had their own style with lead or leader which would it would become leader and then the French the French chanson and the Italian madrigal and the especially the English the English fangirled hard for the Italian madrigal. And we've talked about that before where then they kind of took that style back and translated it into English and said, look, there's this cool thing that we can do. And the English madrigal and the Italian madrigal are really similar in, in a lot of ways. And most madrigals are love songs. It's like love song radio. It's if you want to be... And honestly, most of the ones that I've heard are uber depressing. And they all have double meaning. So if you ever look up a, an album of Italian madrigals, it really should say explicit content. There should be an explicit content sticker on it. 
maybe that's a sound of ages idea for the future is just to put a <laughs> parental guidance explicit content sticker on the on the because they're so sexual it's like unbelievable you're like whoa okay now that i know what the metaphors are that is insane maybe we'll have an episode about that but we'll have to put an explicit mark on this episode or on that episode i guess but anyway there's so much sexual double meaning w- referring to the word death and the word death means uh more than one thing and but even even if you didn't know that everything's basically if you don't love me anymore i'm going to kill myself it's like kelly from the office when the branch is closing and she's crying <laughs> if i <laughs> if i keep my job or if ryan gets to stay and i get laid off or oh no I, I got to get right. If I keep my job and Ryan is laid off, I will kill myself like Romeo and Juliet, the Claire Danes one. <laughs> She's got her mascara running down her face. Picture that Kelly Kapoor from The Office and how dramatic that sounds. And that is every single madrigal. <laughs> it's insane. So if you're feeling particularly lonely today, and you just think to yourself, you know, I need some Italian madrigals to drown my sorrows. Just pick some, and you'll find exactly what you're looking for. Because they're all emo rock hits, love song hits, depression of the early 2000s, Kelly Kapoor style. The, and, you know, the style of the madrigal transformed a lot when it, and we don't this is the interesting thing we don't really know exactly well you could place its stylistic influence from several different things there was a secular song genre called the frotolo it's really fun to say frotolo frotolo it's really fun to say try it you try it frotolo yeah anyway that came before the you know the peak of, but it, it anyway. Sorry, I keep getting ahead of myself. My goodness. Okay, but the Frotolo came before, and we see stylistic influences of the Frotolo into the madrigal, meaning that the text and the music all of a sudden were becoming married into one, and the music was expressing textual ideas. Uh, much more overtly and intentionally than perhaps in sacred music styles. And then you have this lyric idea where there's coming from France. Uh, their chanson is the name of their secular song genre. And you see influences of both of those things into the Italian madrigal. And it's also really interesting that the Italian madrigal the ones who did it the best first were basically people from the Netherlands or the Flemish area. And so you have these Italians who coined this new genre and then someone came over and made it and did it better. So it's kind of like rock and roll where America invented this genre, the rock and roll, and then the British came over with the Beatles and everyone and did it better bold statement but it's true 
Yeah, it's true. I had to think about it, but yeah, it's true. So if you look at Italy, so we've talked about Monteverdi before. We've talked about Monteverdi madrigals. We talked about the marriage of music and poetry in contemporary times with last two episodes with Eric Whitaker and Tony Silvestri. And the great thing about that is that really isn't a new idea at all. And it's mirrored most closely to Italian and by extension then British madrigals. Because beyond all the other secular genres in the Renaissance, whether that mean from different countries or you know, going forward or backwards in time, this <clears throat> late 16th century, 1540s and on into the Baroque, this genre of madrigal is contemporary choral music where the words are everything. And we've we've heard it from several people beyond just Eric Whitaker where they take the text and they literally stew on it and memorize it and read it. Andrew Maxfield said this. Philip Lasser said this. Eric Whitaker has said this. And uh, you can hear it, whether Owen Park said it overtly or not, he does this as well, I think, where you can you can hear it in the music, where the text is really driving what the dictating what the music does and so if if you're if you hear contemporary choral music or even popular music all the love songs you know love songs for the most part have a certain style regardless of what genre and they all kind of have the same vibe and so did these madrigals so you think of you have the Prima practica, which is the the first practice, the old practice in the late 16th century, and then secunda practica, which is the second practice. The second practice really is where this takes off, this idea of the words will dictate everything. It will determine form, it will determine harmony, it will determine melody, and it's it gets really wild. You know, Monteverdi was highly criticized, and we we should go way more in depth into Monteverdi than we have before. But and we will. But really, before Monteverdi came this this guy, this guy named Cipriano de Rore. I love saying his name, Cipriano de Rore. It's very awesome. Even though he wasn't even Italian, he was again Netherlandish. What do you call that person? Netherlandian? Netherlandian? It's not. That's not right. I'm not. That is a false thing I just said. But he was one of those northern composers who made their way down south to compose in Italy. Spent some time in Ferrara and in Venice and were these mad this madrigal style and you know, those are similar places where Monteverdi wrote and lived and worked as well. So we're going to listen to one of his pieces here in just a little bit, but something that's really cool about Cipriano, Cipriano de Rore is that he 
he does this he sets the stage for this second practice this second style of of madrigal so it works really well on two levels not only does the imagery the text painting of short individual phrases come across really overtly but it really works kind of what we've been talking about before of long form from beginning to end the drama as a whole and so he may have this this rhythm and this falling line that sounds kind of like a cry and then that might be a a contrapuntal element that he brings back and so it he does this brilliant thing where each little moment works and the whole thing works and he's using these really expressive harmonies that are not conventional and not following the quote-unquote counterpoint rules of the day and so let me just read you this love song uh the, the piece is called da la bella contrada d'oriente uh this is what it this is the translation from the beautiful regions of the east clear and joyful rose the morning star and i was enjoying in the arms of my divine idol that pleasure that transcends human understanding. Whoa, okay. Easy, Cipriano. Easy, cowboy. When I heard after a passionate sigh, hope of my heart's sweet desire, you go, alas, you leave me alone. Farewell. What will happen to me here, gloomy and sad? Alas, cruel love. Love is capitalized. How uncertain and short-lived are your pleasures, for it even pleases you that the greatest pleasure should end in tears. Unable to say more, she held me tightly, repeating her embraces in more intertwinings than Ivy or Acanthus ever made. Wow, that one's actually ends kind of happy. But it almost didn't. They just can't get away from this tragedy idea of, oh, if you don't love me, I'm going to kill myself. So in a second, we'll listen to a recording of this piece. But you'll hear things, like if you follow along with the score and you can see the translation of the Italian, for example, the sec it starts right off the bat. It sounds this nice, pleasant, beautiful sound in the mode that he chose, the key that he chose. And then the clear and joyful, a clear and joyful rose the morning star, there's this long, for the, fir for the first time we get this long melisma, Again, this is a reminder that's many notes on one syllable of text, and they're quicker rhythms, and they're going upwards on the word rose. So it's the very, very overt of showing, letting the music do exactly what the text is saying happens. And Derore was so good at this, that he was called, one of his nicknames was the Divine Derore. And it's because he was the first one to really put all of these puzzle pieces together into this Secunda Practica. Whenever people think of Secunda Practica, they think of Monteverdi, and for good reason. But Derore really is the one who kind of kicks this off, him and his teacher, 
Um, but it, again, is mostly him. So, and he was this, you know, it was this, I don't know, he was just this emotional guy, and it was just so expressive and woe is me and depression kind of thing. So it's uh, it's really, it's actually really fun to listen to. And when you understand the style and the, the uh, um, aesthetic of the day, I guess, that this music really would be what's on the radio today. So I know what you're all thinking. I really wish there was a resource for me to learn even more about Italian madrigals. I don't have time to listen to Cameron ramble on and on. I don't really like it. His voice, he just does he can't, he can't stay on topic. He's talking about this and that, and then he's all of a sudden over here talking about the office. Can you just give me a resource, please, and shut up? The answer is that there is a three-volume set, just some light reading, about Italian madrigals by a German musicologist named Alfred Einstein. That's real. Einstein is a genius about the Italian madrigals. Not Albert. His alleged, maybe rumored evidence going back and forth, distant cousin Alfred. How amazing is that? I can't even believe it. I I haven't read all of it because it's huge, but I've looked through some of it, and it, it is pretty exhaustive and amazing. I mean, it's three volumes. The third volume is texts and then scores, and it's awesome. It's very cool. So if you're wanting to read more about the Italian Renaissance, well, there you go. Go look at Einstein obviously, because that's what I think of when I think of love songs, Einstein. So we're actually going to listen to a recording of this from YouTube, the great library of all truth, the YouTubes. And uh, this recording plays this, uh, the score. It kind of it does the score along with it. So I highly recommend checking the video out. I'll put a link to it in the show notes so you can see what's happening in the poem on the page it's very cool and there's so many great expressive moments and yeah we haven't reached full-fledged controversialness quite yet with Monteverdi but you can definitely see it as it as it plays out and as it goes along so here is Cipriano de Rore Dalla Bella Contrada d'Oriente
Ah, that piece is so, so great. You hear all those moments of expressive, the like pained dissonance and resolution and the rising and falling of the line. And the again, you can see those little moments where each moment is expressed, but it all holds together to capture the feel or the vibe of the whole poem or the poem as a whole, the, the mood of the whole piece. So really works on both of those levels. It's amazing. So on this Valentine's Day where Cupid's sparrow is flying around, it's a funny little bird, but he gets the job done. It's an office reference for those of you who didn't catch it. Um, anyway, whether you're celebrating single awareness or Valentine's, there is a magical for all on this day of love. And so hopefully you check out some Renaissance love songs from the great Italian madrigalists. Okay, thanks for tuning in to today's short, shortened episode, the Valentine's Day special, Single Awareness Day special, the Italian madrigalist, Cipriano de Rore. Hopefully that song is representative of your life. Maybe. Anyway, if you like the show and you like the podcast, give us a rating. Uh, five stars is the most appreciated response. And write us a review, share, subscribe, like, all the things. You know what to do. And we'll catch you next time on Early Music Monday.